hi, I love being with my family and this is so beautiful. Um, so Lander and I were talking this week about the idea of culture of honor. And it actually says in scripture to outdo one another in honor. And we were talking about how just like simple ways we can start doing that. And one of them was introducing the speaker. So I get the privilege of introducing Lander. So, though he is only a little bit older than I am, I do call him one of my spiritual fathers because seriously, you guys, I would not know the Lord the way that I do if it wasn't for him challenging me to get in the presence of the Lord. And I think we can live our entire lives knowing a lot about Jesus, but never getting to know his face in Jesus, in Lander, who looks like Jesus, uh, ha ha, he he, um, challenged me so much to start getting in the presence of the Lord every day, and it wrecked my life in the best way possible. And I was just, like, looking around in worship, and there are so many people in this room that have been, like, so moved by Lander's life. Am I right? Yeah. So he's one of the -the behind-the-scenes people who's just warring on behalf of this church to usher in the presence. This man, I trust him probably more than I trust myself. Seriously, that's a big statement. So I'm going to pray over him, and we're going to let him just do his thing. Yeah. Jesus, you guys just want to come into agreement. We're going to come into agreement with the Father's heart right now. We just invite the presence of the living God to invade every part of his being, to fill him with power. I just pray for the same kind of power that filled Peter at the day of Pentecost, where the people were amazed that the word just pierced their hearts because it was carrying something living. And it was so much more beyond what a human could release. It was the presence of the living God. We invite that. I just ask for divine clarity that every person in this room will hear what they need to hear from the Holy Spirit. Just pray for an increase of hunger tonight, that every word that comes out of his mouth We'll just be like sponges, and you'll show us how to just receive and take it back before you and sort through it. Lord, I just pray that you'll wreck us in the best way possible, that you just stir us to go get back before your face and talk to you and get to know you. We just thank you for Lander. We bless his life. We bless his words. We bless him as a human, that he's a man of God. We just blessed tonight. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Wow. There's, um, there's just nothing like Jesus, you know? I was in worship, and um, I, like when I'm in worship, in, in like a musical worship setting, um, I, I just try and, zone out and become just aware of me and him. And one of the things I love to do is um, the way I'm, I'm visualizing, the way I'm picturing myself with Jesus, I love to act those things out. And I was just in worship and I just saw him like become like a river and I just started like dancing in the river and put my feet in the water and just splashing around. And it was just so awesome. Um, and these times where you just get really personal with Jesus, where you're just willing to explore and just 
go after the heart of Jesus and the presence of Jesus, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit, um, and go after it beyond what you have known or beyond what you have learned or felt or experienced yet, um, that, that act, that just saying yes to that desire to go after things beyond what you've experienced is worship manifested, you know? Like that word manifested means to make known, to, to take it out of something that was mysterious and make it into something that is real and tangible. And so we have probably all of us, well, probably most of us, um, got saved into uh, like an idea of an experience that we didn't quite have yet. Um, I, I don't meet a whole lot of people that just like, had the experience, the crazy encounter with God, and then said yes to it. Um, but that's awesome when that happens. But probably a lot of us kind of, it, it resonated with something in us, and we wanted to know this God that we were hearing about, so we were saying yes to something before we experienced it. Um, but that, that act is in itself faith, and you know, faith is super important to God. Um, Jesus said, when I return, will I find any with faith? Hebrews 11 says, um, we cannot please God without faith because you must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him, right? So that's just all lead up into, we were made to look like Jesus, all right? I'm, Janae, guys, you don't know this. Janae, you may know this. I posted a Facebook picture and like 100 people liked it. So you guys probably do know this. Um, Janae helped me make notes because it's really hard for me to stay on the notes. So everything I've said isn't on the notes yet. Okay? So I just thank you all for your grace for me um, as I try really hard to stay in a zone where people can understand. Because I understand everything I'm saying. Okay? Um, yeah, Holy Spirit, would you give them an interpretation of tongues? All right? Yeah. Okay, so this is, it's so important. This has been like burning in me for the last several weeks. This concept of it's so important to know the hour we're in, you know, spiritually, in the world, everything. If, if you think about it practically in the natural world, if you don't know what hour you're in, you're going to be really misaligned with all the things you're supposed to do. You know, and so we're interacting with the world and we're interacting with Jesus, right? And think about it too. If you are married um, and you're in a relationship and you're misaligned with the time that your lover's on, you're going to be going to bed when they want to be awake and you're going to be, let's do stuff when they're asleep. And not that Jesus is going to sleep, you know, but you get what I'm saying? It's really important to know what the hour is and to act accordingly. And I've, I've witnessed this so many times over the years that I'm not surprised by it anymore when it happens, but I'll just start sensing something's going on spiritually and like just this, this common thread. And, and then I'll start hearing all these pastors from all these different churches say the exact same message. And what I've been hearing in the time leading up to this is just the vast importance of getting into the presence of God, getting into the presence of Jesus. Um, probably going to touch on a bunch of points and kind of come back to them. Um, but 
it's in the presence of God that we're shaped. Um, but before we get to there, we are actually made to look like Jesus, right? Is that, is that a right yet for most people? Because I know I've, we've probably all been in a lot of environments and probably a lot of us have said it where it's like, well, I'm not Jesus. Well, you're not Jesus. We're not Jesus, you know? Like, we're pretty quick to throw that out. And I think a lot of times, not only are we just kind of taught that, but it kind of exempts us from a lot of responsibility that Jesus himself paid to pour into our lives. Um, man, it's so, I just want to jump really far ahead. Um, okay. Well, step by step, day by day. <laughs> what show is that? Uh, gosh, somebody is smart here. <laughs> wow. Amen. I love everything. Thank you guys for loving it with me. All right. Jesus has, Jesus, you guys read the Gospels. Jesus says some really awesome, nice, comforting things. And he says some things where you're like, I, I'll skip over that part. You know what I mean? One of the things he says is, the world will hate you because of my name, right? When we are following Jesus, the world actually doesn't like it, you know? Um, if we do not intentionally look to Jesus to set the standard for our life, for who we are supposed to become, the world will do that for us. The world will create us. So if you don't go out of your way to look to Jesus, to be conformed to his image, the world will shape you, okay? Um, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let me stop there. Anybody ever been tripped up by sin? Like you do something that you knew was wrong and then you like feel like you got to sit in the doghouse for a few days and be like, well, I can't go into the presence because I did that thing. I can't go worship. I'm just so aware of that. And you do go into church and you're like, your head hung low and you're just thinking about how bad you are. That's sin tripping you up, okay? Jesus forgave you, but the sin will get a spot in you and it'll just torment you. So anyway... Throw that off. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Um, even Romans 12, I love this. This is like core life verse for me and like just so many people that, that we've all walked this journey together. That We used to have a, a healing small group, and so many of us were just immersed in this, um, this idea of like that God wants to do these things through us, and this was, um, this was a, just such a key verse, all right? Sorry, that was, can you guys tell when I start to go down the track? <laughs> anyway, I love you. Um, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, okay? The world will put you in its mold, if you don't renew your mind, if you don't renew your mind to the thinking of heaven. Um, forward. Uh, all right, Jesus is the original standard we were made to look like. Okay, when we take our life as Christians, if we were to hit the reset button, imagine you're a computer. Um, 
and you reset it to base. That doesn't reset you back to who you were before anything went wrong in your life. That resets you to Jesus. Amen? Because you're actually born into a fallen world, right? You're born into sin. And we're, we're actually resetting to a standard higher than we've even lived out. I know that's kind of a little conceptually like um, hard in certain ways, but just Jesus is literally the standard that we're resetting our minds to. We are renewing our minds to the mind of Jesus, the mind of Christ. We're starting, we're just learning to think like Jesus, learning to think like the creator, the one whose image we're made in. Um, we are little Christ, the little, we're Christians, right? And that's little Christ, right? Have you guys heard that? So what we are are human representations of Jesus Christ. So Jesus comes first, and Jesus is the first of many brothers and sisters. I I may be quoting some scriptures, but not referencing them, so bear with me as I do. Um, He is our default when we reset, and we do not look to the world for how we are meant to live. In fact, we cannot look to the world for how we are meant to live. We can only look to Jesus. Um, So who is Jesus? Jesus is the perfect representation of the Father, all right? So Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I only do what I see the Father do. I only say what I hear the Father say. He was the perfect representation of the Father. So because of this, the attributes that we see of God the Father such as God is love, um, just some of these, these things of, of God the Father are actually part of Jesus and the things that we see represented through Jesus, lived out tangibly through Jesus, are representations of the Father. So because God the Father was Jesus' Father, which, not in my notes, I'm going to detour you guys ready? Yes. It'll be so much better. <laughs> um, so check this out. You guys ever wonder why Jesus was born to a virgin? The blood actually comes through the father um, naturally in the natural world. So like if a husband and wife come together and they make a baby, the blood goes through the father. So the father, if Jesus was not born, if the Holy Spirit didn't impregnate Mary, then he would have had sin in his bloodline. But he didn't. He had the Holy Spirit in his bloodline. So that's how Jesus was able to be born into this world sin-free right off the bat and then willfully choose into maintaining that. Cool, huh? Um, So, But Jesus lived a sin-free life and paid our debt so that we could receive a sin-free life that we didn't pay for. And when he poured out his blood, he actually gave his blood into us. He adopted us into the family, but supernatural spiritual adoption is not the same as natural adoption, and we actually receive the blood of our Father. We receive the blood. We go into the same bloodline. Our, our blood, our DNA becomes the DNA, or his blood and his DNA becomes our blood and DNA. So we actually have righteousness in our DNA now. Um, so just like in the natural world, um, if, you, if two parents come together, there's some expectation that their child will look like them and that their child will kind of raise, be raised up to 
act like them. Or if two mongooses are in the wilderness and they mate, they'll have a mongoose. You get what I'm saying? You will look like your dad. You'll look like the, your parents, right? We have an expectation of that in the natural. And that's how it is in the spiritual as well. God is now, God is our father, right? And so we are actually made to look like our daddy, our father, right? And so that's kind of intimidating. It's like, are you, you're saying I'm made to look like God? Yes. <laughs> I, I could say a lot more like icky stuff, like hard stuff. Um, but I don't really have the patience for all the conversations that will come afterwards, so I'm just trying to be really gentle. Um, but so, again, Jesus is the perfect representation of the Father. So Jesus is what the Father looks like here on earth, right? So that's there. Um, other things about Jesus. Jesus was creative, right? The whole world was created through him. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and Everything was created through him, right? Jesus is like personified creativity. God, his DNA is creativity. So anybody here who thinks that they're not creative, you just are. (laughs) You just don't know how to do it yet, you know? And you probably do know how to do it. You just compare yourself. I heard this um, quote. It's like such a sweet quote that every child is an artist until they get tested out of it. You know, until they get into a school system that says, like, oh, this is art and this isn't. You know, every kid will be like, wow, I made this beautiful thing. And they have that face. Um, So that's like us, you know? How many times do we do that with God? We're like, God, look what I did for you. And he's probably like, oh, that's so sweet. It's so, he like puts it in the drawer and you find it years later. That's a story of my own dad. I'll find all these cards that I gave my dad years ago. Anyway. Um, okay, Jesus is flexible. And get this, I had this sweet revelation the other day when we were doing these notes. Jesus is flexible, like fluid, flexible, all the things I like to be. You may be wondering why I don't have shoes on. Why would I have shoes on? Um, Jesus is flexible, but he's also sturdy. And those things are not supposed to be mutually exclusive. Those things are supposed to go in tandem. It's like I just pictured him like a powerful river. And the powerful river, Jesus is going exactly where he's going. He knows where he's going, and he's going there. And then when little things come up along the way, when circumstances arise that are in conflict with where he's going, he just kind of goes around them, (laughs) or he touches them and changes them. But he's fluid with the circumstances, but he's steady with where he's going. And that's how we get to be too. All right. Um, Jesus is the fruit of the Spirit. There's so much I could touch on here. Um, Jesus is love because God is love. We, we talked about that. And if Jesus is the perfect representation of the Father, then all the attributes of the Father are in Jesus. And love is displayed through Jesus, and it looks like something. Jesus says, there's no greater love that a man has than that he would lay down his life for another. And then... Not only that, but Jesus actually does it, right? So we get two pieces of love right there. One of them is really simple, and it's that love follows through with what it says it's going to do. Amen? So love displays itself and actually does what it says it will do. And 
Love lays down its life for another. Of course, Jesus actually died. He laid down his physical life. Um, and a lot of times we'll take that on and be like, yes, I'm going to lay down my life for you. I want to go to Four Rivers for dinner, but you want to go to Taco Bell, and I will lay down my life for the one that I love, you know? And honestly, I do think that that's a little piece of it. Um, <laughs> I mean, true story. Like, I'm being serious. You know I am too. It's when you take your agenda, the thing that you want to do, and you just bow. You just bow to the person next to you. You just lay it down, and you say, actually, I love you. This is a way I can display love. That's what we're learning. We're learning ways we can display love. Um, Wow. So not only does, man, I just got so moved when I was thinking about this. Um, Jesus displays love by dying for those that wanted to take his life. Have you ever thought about this? The very people, and Jesus is aware of this while it's going on, the very people that are nailing his hands and putting a crown on his head, the very people that are whipping the flesh off of his back and spitting on him and telling him that he's worthless, the very people that are doing every horrible thing to him, he is experiencing all of that for them in that moment. The person putting the nail through his hands, as that person's putting the nail through his hands, Jesus is probably thinking like, this is for you. you know, and do you guys realize Jesus could have like, not done that? That was a choice. Jesus himself said, nobody takes my life, but I give it freely. You know? So Jesus displays love by giving his life for those who don't care about him. You could say this another way. He willfully shows love to those who reject it. Now, that's something that you can kind of take into your own life. It's like, oh, should I love this person? They don't even want my love. doesn't matter. Do you think that those people wanted his sacrifice? Because they certainly didn't. They didn't, you know? Anyway. <laughs> you guys ever seen Claudia with a chance of meatballs? There's <laughs> that guy, and he's like, it's enough to make a grown man cry. And then he sucks his tear back in and goes, not this grown man. Janae will teach on healthy um, displays of emotions sometime soon. (laughs) All right. All right. So laying your life down for the one you love as a display of love is not only something that we do to our brothers and sisters, people here. We do it unto God, too. So um, Jesus says... I feel like it, man. Leading up to this, I was like, God, what should I talk about? Which one of my awesome things should I share? (laughs) I had a lesson in humility later in the week. But before I got to that, I was like, what awesome things should I share? And he's like, Jesus. I was like, yeah, but anyway, (laughs) man, sometimes we just are so silly. But he's really good. And so I almost checked myself saying, I keep saying Jesus too much. (laughs) Better get used to it, you know. We're going to be doing it for a long time. All right. Um, Jesus says, cling to your life and you'll lose it. Give up your life for my sake and you'll find it. 
Now, part of that, is he talking about your spiritual life or is he talking about something else? Um, Part of Galatians 5, you know, um, talks about you get the um, acts of the flesh and then you got the fruit of following the Holy Spirit. Um, It says that our flesh has been crucified, right? Part of our, our display of love for our God is killing our flesh, saying yes to have, like laying down our flesh, having it crucified to the cross. Water baptism, right? Um, A lot of us think of something like water baptism as a symbolic act. That's probably how most of us learned it. It's like, yeah, you do this, and it's showing the world that, you know. Um, Let me just tell you a little lesson. This is so awesome. It just, this is why I move around in worship, you know, because the acts, the symbolic acts in the natural are recognized by the spiritual. So you take communion over there. It's heaven sees it and reacts, responds. When you pray, when you release words, this is why we pray, this is how we pray, is when you're praying, you're partnering with the heavenly realms, and I truly believe that there are all sorts of things in heaven that want to be released into this natural world but are simply waiting for the declarations of man. So when you declare something, when you speak something, when you pray and release something, when you call something from heaven into this world, what you're doing is in the natural world, you are, I mean, physically, you're creating vibrations, it's moving the wind, blah, blah, blah. And you are doing a, a natural act that heaven sees and responds to because heaven's sitting up there with a yes and an amen for you. Um, and baptism is one of the clearest examples of this in scripture for me um, because Jesus did this whole symbolic act, right? He goes and gets baptized by John the Baptist. Um, and if it's just a symbolic act, well, you're just going to put that away right now because when Jesus comes out of the water, the heavens open up and a voice, an audible voice of God says, behold, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased and the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. And it's initiated by a symbolic act, right? So when you are baptized, you are saying, God, kill my flesh. You're laying down your life. You are displaying love to your God by allowing yourself to be killed. All right? I know. <laughs> Thanks, Janae. You can come up here. I'll give you a microphone. You can say, anybody who wants to give verbal affirmations, I'll give you the microphone. Um, all right. So, practically, how do we live like Jesus? One, we become like Jesus when we behold him. Um. <laughs> Jesus, come on. 2 Corinthians 3.13 says, And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Um, You become like what you immerse yourself in. You ever ever notice bad company corrupts good, right? The, The environment that you immerse yourself in will take effect on you. This is like what I was saying at the beginning. The world will shape you. It will. If you immerse yourself in that, if you immerse yourself in a culture of people that don't really believe, even Christians, versus 
if you immerse yourself in a group of people that are like, I don't want to polarize things, sorry. Um, if you, we'll just say, if you immerse yourself in a culture of people that are like, I don't really believe in God because of here's this, 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 versus if you immerse yourself in a group of people that are like, I love Jesus, and even though things are hard, I so believe in him, and I want more faith, and they're just going after that. You will be shaped by either group of that. And now I know what you're, probably some of you are already saying, like, Jesus hung out with sinners, he hung out with drunkards, prostitutes, tax collectors, and that is so true. And what I'm talking about here, there's a really big distinction between the environments we go into, visit, and our core group of people, okay? So the core group of people, in Jesus' case, would be the three and then the 12. These are the people that... I I actually do believe that he allowed them to influence him. Um, A ring. Careful. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Sorry, I just, like, 400 sitcom episodes just played through my head. Um, Yeah, okay. You become what you immerse yourself in, okay? So when you immerse yourself in the presence of God, you become like him. You become like who you behold. Um, I was, had some really hard times this last year and a half, and I, I, there were so many times where I'm like, I don't know what to do, God, what do I do? And I just like, I typically, this is like my typical life. I don't usually wake up really awesome, but I go into my quiet time and I, until I can come out not like that. I go into it until I come out different. And I was sitting by a lake and I'm like, uh, I, I'm just like been in a place where I'm like, God, I don't know how to do anything. Help me, help me, uh, you know. Um, we all get like that. Um, and I, I just saw, imagined him walking on the water. I was like, Jesus, how do you walk on the water? And I just heard him say, you don't think about walking on the water. You just look at my face. And that's actually like biblical, but I didn't think about that. <laughs> and then I saw him in front of me, and he's like, that's how you do all things. And he just has this like burning stare. And it's like you look at him like this. I don't know if that blocked the mic. You just look at him with blinders on. You want to know how to do anything? You look at the face of Jesus. Seriously. Like the presence of God reveals all things, okay? It's a lot simpler than we make it sometimes. And I can tell you, I can tell you that the world will tell us how things are and how things aren't. Our, the world and logic and all this stuff will kind of be like, it'll tell us the same lie that the enemy's been coming to us with since the beginning of the world. Did he really say that? You know? Oh, man. Adam and Eve, right? This is a picture of this. Adam and Eve is a picture of this. You get into the presence and you hear the word. You get out of the presence and you get deceived. And I'm not saying, now let me just define the presence a little bit because I'm not saying like, you got to think of it. We're not like over here like, God, bring me your presence. And then he teleports in from Jupiter or something. He's here and it's a matter of, am I aware of him? He's in me, but am I abiding in him? 
okay? Is my, you ever talk to somebody across from the table from you and you're just like talking for 10 minutes and then all of a sudden they're like, hey, and then you're like, whoa, you look at them for the first time in 10 minutes. You were just in this total other world you're telling them about and then you look at them. That's the presence. When I'm talking about the presence, it's Jesus, hey, look at me. And you're like, whoa, okay, everything's better now. He's like, you're safe. I love you. You're good. Boom. Okay, so real quick, Adam and Eve, they're created. There's two trees in the garden. God says to Adam, eat from this one. This one's life. It's so good. I love you. It's so good. It's for you. This other one, don't eat from it. You'll surely die, right? Or, you know. Um, And then Adam tells Eve. Eve goes around here, and then serpent comes up, and he says, did he really say that? She's like, oh, okay. And then she goes over to Adam because she rightfully has a place of influence in Adam's life because they were created for each other. So they're intimate together. Now Adam allows his influence, who you immerse yourself in will influence you, to influence him. And she says, hey, eat this. And now suddenly they become aware of a multitude of sins, whereas before there was only one sin, which was don't eat from the tree. All right? So you come out of, he was in the presence when he heard the word. She wasn't in it. She just kind of had it from hearsay. But I actually imagine if she had heard it direct, she probably would have been better at carrying it out there. So how many of us have heard at a church service or something like that, hey, this is sin, this isn't. But we've never searched it out for ourselves. and We've never gone to Jesus for the answer. Now we're in a world and a culture that's saying, this actually isn't sin, but this may, might be. Don't offend people. Don't, nah, nah. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. We need to reset Okay? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need to make our mind new again by getting into the presence of the king. Okay? That was off the notes, too. But that was a good one. All right. Next point. Jesus. We become like Jesus when we disobey our flesh and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Your flesh wants to lead you. Your flesh is pulling you. There are two things that want to lead you. One of them is pulling at you and wants to jump on you. Example, um, have you ever had, you ever been like having quiet time or you're in worship or something? You're just in this moment with God and you're like, God, this is so awesome. I want to stay here for the rest of my life. Well, time to go inside. Anybody ever been there? I would be out at my sister's house in the field, and um, I'd just have nothing on the schedule for the day. And I'd be like, God, this is so good. I'm just like feeling him. I'm just getting revelation from him. And I'm like, I'm going to go inside now. (laughs) I don't have anything to do. I started to catch it. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. I'm going to choose to stay. That's actually your flesh trying to grab something because the presence of God is getting leveling up in you, it's getting more intense and your flesh is panicking and it wants to grab something and gain control again. This is why fasting, a part of why fasting is such a powerful tool because when you fast, um, and I don't just mean those healthy things that are generally healthy of like fast the news or like fast doing terrible things. That's great, but you you should probably just not do them in the first place. But when I'm saying fasting, I mean like when you fast from food. Um, because you are 
you are declaring to your flesh, you do not have dominion here. I'm submitting myself to the Holy Spirit. I am reprioritizing my life and prioritizing following the Holy Spirit. What you prioritize in your life, you will devote time to. Okay? All right. Um, <laughs> uh, this just kind of goes in there. I just loved this sentence. The willful perseverance toward the things of faith, despite the opposition of the natural world, is what separates the desires of our flesh from the leading of the Holy Spirit. When we willfully choose to go towards the things of faith, despite all of the opposition of the world around us, that is what presses out your flesh from the spirit that wants to rule your life. I picture it like, um, I picture it like, Imagine there's like this really strong fence in front of you, and inside of me is this uh, uh, spirit, and it's the spirits like can walk through walls because that's how spirits are, and it's great, and it's in me, and it's actually driving my body, right? And I go and I bump up against this fence, and I just keep going, and my spirit just keeps walking and persevering through this, and my flesh stays there, and the spirit walks on. That's what this process of life is. Okay, um, your flesh feels things, but the reality, the experience of feeling things does not equate to that being the will of God for your life. Okay, if you were born with something, if you were um, just dealt a crappy deal, um, just because you're experiencing something does not equate to it being God's will for you. Okay, again, we live in a kind of corrupt world. I don't know if you noticed that. But just because the stuff's happening out there doesn't mean that it's got God's thumbs up on it, all right? So the temptations we may rightfully feel, I mean, we may totally feel those. I, we all have different struggles in our life, and struggles are real, you know? But just because you're struggling with something, just because you're drawn towards something, does not equate to it as being God's, saying yes to it. Um, Galatians 5, 16 through 24. I'm just going to read almost all of this because it's powerful. I am actually going to skip over a piece just that you can go read that. Maybe I will. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then... You won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. This, and the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature wants. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Uh, are you guys even like realizing that this explains like so much of life already right here? But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition. You're probably like, for a few of those, oh, I don't have those, and then it got to, yeah. Um, 
dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. I actually don't believe that saying that they won't go to heaven. I believe that saying heaven won't come to them and come out of them and change this world, that kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Um, I, anyway, too much. Um, I need a cartoon version of me. Acts out all the things I do. Um, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. All right? The things of the natural are opposed to the things of the spiritual. They're not, they don't go together. It's oil and water. They do not mix. One of them hates the other one, and the other one hates the other one. All right? Um, all right. Lastly, last couple of things I just want to touch on. Mm. So much we could say. <sighs> These two go together. Romans 5, 3. Um, Furthermore, we rejoice in our suffering because suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. That hope will not disappoint. Um, That suffering, I believe, actually goes back to even Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is just so powerful. I'll read it as much as I can. That's not true at all. I could be reading it 24-7. I read it often. Um, Sorry. Sorry. Hebrews 11 is like the giants of the faith. It's all these people, these giants of the faith, these people that shaped the religion that we are part of. Um, And it's what they are, is people that had a word or a promise over their life and continued towards it despite an entire lifetime of opposition, where only the only feedback they were getting from the natural world is everything saying no, saying that wasn't a word from God, this will never happen, this is impossible. And they kept going. And it was significant, significant enough for them to be in the Faith Hall of Fame. These people are, are forever, okay? There's a significance that is put on your life when you are willing to persevere towards the promises of God despite everything telling you no, even if you don't receive it in this lifetime. That's like Hebrews 11 is that. These people did not receive it in their lifetime. That, and then check this out. So Romans 5, the, the, we rejoice in our suffering because suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. That word character is, is like a signet ring. It's like a proof of. So when we re- get transformed into the character of God, we become the proof of his existence to this world. So when we persevere... We rejoice in our suffering because suffering presents us with an opportunity to become who we were made to be. That suffering, though, I don't, I actually think it's kind of, Romans 12 talks about suffering too. It talks about the discipline of the Father for the ones that he loves. I actually believe that so much of that suffering is simply that we are faced with circumstances, a world filled of circumstances that is saying the exact opposite of the word that he said over our life. 
that that suffering is that tension of walking through the fence. It is that world of conflict where it's like, God, this all looks wrong, but I believe you. Man, I don't know if this ties in, but I feel like I need to say it real quick. Um, But I was with Brent yesterday, and I just told him some of the story of my life, how I got like to be Christian and everything. And, and, and my, my mom was like, my, like, just personal story. My dad like left us. It was really, really bad the way it happened when I was like three. And then um, something even worse almost happened. And I never thought of it the way he, Brent recognized it. But in this moment where things could literally end, my mom had the opportunity to partner with Satan's intentions for our lives, which was death, which was to end us there. She had the opportunity to partner with that. And she cried out to God. And in that moment, like, he answered. And Brent just, like, stopped. And he's like, dude, your mom flipped the curse. And he just, like, kept acting out. It's like, he, she, like, stood there and she held it back. And she, there was this generational curse that was going towards your family, and she held it back and she flipped it. And the fruit that's come out of that, I mean, like, my mom went years and years where, like, she just was an example of, I'd wake up every morning and she'd be having her quiet time, and I'm like, I don't want that. But I saw it, and um, yeah, there's something that gets changed in this world when we're willing to say yes to God and no to the intentions of the enemy for our lives. But let me tell you, a lot of times, especially in the context that we live in and the culture that we live in, we have a lot more influence that the world's given towards us than if you're not immersed in it, 24-7 you're being bombarded by the world telling you this, 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 this. This is the reality. This is all that there is. But when you are willing to say no to that and to just get wherever you need to go, I go to the woods, I go to, I get by myself, I get in my car, some heat. I mean, Janae had some counters in her car. And you just get to wherever you need to go where you can just look to Jesus and you say, God, tell me the truth. Who are you? What do you want? What do you want from me? Because I want you. When you go to life, towards life in that, you will be transformed into his likeness. And this world needs Jesus. Amen? Like, we're in a world that's kind of saying there's not any sin. We're even in a Christian culture that says there's no sin. Guess what happens when we do away with sin? When we pretend that there isn't sin. I'd love to do away with it. (laughs) But when we just pretend like there's no sin, suddenly there's no reason for Jesus. And if you make this world great, but people don't have Jesus, everything's gone. Jesus is the only thing. All right. Um... Landon, you guys can come up here. Um, Let me just pray real quick.
Yeah, Jesus. I thank you, God. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Holy Spirit. Jesus. In fact, why don't we have um, uh, Mike, Janae, Israel, Craig. Can I have you guys come over here? Um, Marcos, Brent, can I have you guys come over here? Chris Atwell, you come over here. Okay, Ian, you too. <laughs> um, yeah, guys, I just want to invite you over here. Just get somebody, just bought you too if you want. Steve, my mom, mommy, are you here? Do you want to come over here and pray? Um, listen, guys, if you need a reset, if you just want to, like, this is a time, what I'm setting up over here is a time of repentance, okay? If you've just been in a place where you're like, God, I'm sorry, I've been letting the world shape me, and I need to see the face of Jesus. I, Jenna, you too, sorry. <laughs> um, uh, and you, we're just going to pray for you just to like open up a new season. Let the hour change in your life because it's changed. The hour is the presence of Jesus, the face of Jesus. So if you just want to come up and just, we're just going to pray and just invite God to give you a greater revelation of his presence. Okay? Thanks, guys.